We're going to forego an opening and just jump right in. Welcome to Media Majors. Oh, man. I'm Liam Sr. Holy, whoa, pump the pump the brakes, bud. This no, is we're too going. fast for me. Your name. I'm Thomas Lockney. Guest's name. Jane, you did not tell me we were going to jump right in. That's not how I like to get this in the is, pool. This is how, and this is how it works. This is how it works. What the Throwing fuck is this? Throwing you into the deep end. This is a good question, Shane Hyde. This is a podcast mm-hmm. about major media. This is an ambush about major media. <laughs> Two. You could, you could say that. Uh, each week, Tom and I tell a story from our preferred major majors of media. Mediums. Ma- Mediums. Yeah, yeah, Majors yeah. of media also works. Okay. I talk about show business. I talk about video games and internet culture. And each week, we tell each other a true story from that field. And, and sometimes our... we got a guest on. Yeah. I, I've i been here before. I usually just talk about women I like. I tried to have a theme going, but it's not going to happen. You're just going to get stories from me, and they're almost always going to be about women. <laughs> so there you go. Take it. There you go. But we do have themes for each individual episode. We do, yes. indeed. Usually. <laughs> and th- this week is and no week different. We do. This yeah. week we do. It is imposter. Uh oh! I took off my mask. It's the mask. <laughs> Somebody stop me! Do not go in there, Ace Ventura. All right. We should play Guess Who later. Um, <laughs> it's a great game. What does that have to do with what? James Carrington? That it's like an great. imposter. No, you're right. Well, it's an imposter. Guess Who is a very fun game. Yeah. Incel. Uh, there's a tangent I want to go on about how Guess Who is actually a super racist game, but we don't have to go into it right now. Oh, oh you know what? Now that you mention it, I didn't think about right. it. Yeah. Oh, fuck. I haven't okay. seen the actual people in a while. There's our opening. Endorsement rescinded. Incel is a portmanteau of involuntary celibate. Right off of the bat, this is an inaccurate term. These men are not involuntarily celibate. They hate women so much that literally no one is attracted to them. It's that simple. They are also homophobic, transphobic, and racist, as is the case with many of these segments of the internet. They are complicit in their celibacy. They are its primary motivating factor. Their bigotry manifests violently, most recently in Toronto. Massive trigger warning for uh, misogyny and like just like real, uh, man, if you know anything about incels, and, or, or if you don't, Things are going to get pretty fucking rough. Yeah, let's just do a blanket trigger warning on two out of three of these stories of this episode. Uh, mine is not one of those. Yeah. Mine is. We can maybe record the specifics after. Most recently, a, a self-identified incel in Toronto uh, drove a van into a crowd of people killing 10 because he felt he was owed sex. He himself chased off with his hate. Uh, he was inspired by another incel-motivated mass murderer, Elliot Rogers. They believe in things like Chads and Stacy's, with each operating as the most attractive, whatever that means, available members of their respective genders. Wait, so those are supposed to be like the hot names? Yes. Chad and Stacy? Chad and yeah. Stacy, yes. Jesus. Uh, these people are also overwhelmingly white. White, yeah. I was going to say, all, all, all also, the incels are white? Okay. I was also going to say overwhelmingly unoriginal, like Jad and Stacey. Like, Those are like Barbie names. Yeah. <laughs> Here are some descriptions of a Stacy from a popular incel shorthand, uh, like meme picture, basically. Tom, before you even read it, I know this is going to be well thought out, appropriate, and we're all going to be okay. All right. So these are the these are the traits of uh, the most desirable women, of, of which uh, comprise as we'll talk about later, 80% of all females, again, 
whatever that means. Wait, you found this? I've been looking for this info my whole life. I don't know the desirable traits of being oh, a woman. The James, first well, one I've better got, be a I've heavy got, interest in Fraser. There's some a cheat really, code? I've got some really bad news for you, Jane. You'd have to quit your job. This first one here is <laughs> never works a day in her life, lives in luxury. Oh, right. shit. So so oh, right no, now you're you. 0 for 2. We're all 0 for 2. I have a dog. I can't. I, I need to support her. I'm already out because I don't want anyone I'm good, who's going to have to rely on me for financial support. Alright, this next one is a lot uh, worse. Naturally curvy body gives men instant erections. Instant? That instant. seems like a high standard. <laughs> but it has to, that seems like it's more on him, but okay. Can't do instant erections. It's a process. Yeah. It's like That's also dangerous. The head of your dick is, is it, gonna shoot if off. It, if, it, if it go too fast, it break. Yeah. Do men want to be hard in public? I don't get it. No, yes. no, no, no. All the but time. But it seems like these do. Spend, makes me feel like a big man. There are endless comedy bits about being like a puberty boy or a puberty penis haver with um, uh, just like getting an erection for no fucking reason. No, oh, yeah. cool, cool. Degrassi did the best. Right. Mm -hmm. On the way to the bus. Ah, oh, cool. Who's in the car? The real my dad and my players. brother. This is a nightmare. Gotta walk onto a bus in tight khakis. I just want the erection. listeners to know the little bobbing motion Tom was doing with his hand while saying that oh, was very God. disturbing, but also like really brought the story to life. Oh. Yeah. Well, it was it was mimicking the throb of a dick. Oh God, <laughs> just a, a hell nightmare my childhood was. Uh, also, and then this is related to the last one. Big tits and ass show fertility. <laughs> Sorry. See, that's like, not right. Well, and and this is and this is like check your math on that. It's a very simple uh, uh, idea to. I mean, you poke at it and it's like wet tissue paper. Is like, well, you you are attracted to this because of like beauty standards at the time, which like we all know, uh, like just objectively evolve and change and like their version of an ideal body is not they treat it like it's some static thing like literally they they truly believe that sexual selection leads to like double d's and a thick butt uh <laughs> but also like an impossibly tiny waist etc etc when like that's not how sexual selection works at all and and those uh uh uh, cosmetic features or aesthetic features are, have nothing to do with how fertile you are. I was gonna say, wait, do men think that your butt size has to do with fertility? Incels literally do. They literally, literally, literally believe. Well, it does because that's I, where that's where the baby like chills out in a butt cheek. <laughs> I have to tell you guys a belief that two different men that I've met in my life had oh, seemed no. to have about female bodies that they both directed to me, which is uh, they seem to think that the shape of my ass dictated how tight my vagina was oh my and they God. thought that's how that would work did they have like a formula like in the social network <laughs> that they wrote on the window it's more like it's more like baseball <laughs> uh, baseball is statistics and formulas oh okay cool cool cool. got it uh, i just wanted I, I just didn't know where you were going with that if it was like no no you test it with 12 men on a field <laughs> oh God. Uh, yeah, these beliefs are awful and display some pretty basic inaccuracies uh, <laughs> that invalidate literally any other further observation they make. Like, they are so clearly trying to, like, supplant a narrative around the things that they have, like, culturally been brought up to believe and understand as, like, pure fact and to worship it. 
Uh, oh, just by comparison, uh, they also believe in Beckys, uh, a.k.a. an undesirable segment of the female population. Here are some descriptions of a Becky. Mm-hmm. Uh, nerdy bun. <laughs> and, you know, the thing that, you know, the thing that... It's is, like a cute you nickname. Can, you, you can... A nerd... A bun is not like the shape of your face. You can take it out. What yeah. is... I don't know. Are ballerinas nerdy? I don't know. Uh, minimum wage job at Starbucks. I'm a sure, lot of people I'm don't sure, work at Starbucks. I'm though. sure a lot of these dudes uh, do not work uh, salary jobs. And hey, and this is indicative of like the things that they believe is that like you are inherently less valuable if you are like working a minimum wage job, which we all know is like fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, and also goes to school to work on her meme career. I don't. What? Have you? I did. I did. I don't even know. Like, l- like literally, none of these people have any Gra- idea. Gra- no, 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 no. Like, literally, I think it's that these dudes. Uh, this just seems memes, mean. Because memes are so huge, they are social currency in far right spaces online. That I think that they literally believe that people will go to school so they can get like better at memes or something. Are men nervous that women are going to take over the meme industry? Because <laughs> you should be. They believe in what's referred to as the 80-20 rule or that the quote-unquote top 80% of women are attracted to the quote-unquote top 20% of men. Uh, This is why, this is how they kind of explain away the fact that like despite the fact that a lot of them are like, can can actually be good looking or or like, and like again, couched in like societal things of what you might be attracted to. But, like, a lot of these dudes are conventionally good-looking dudes, and they just, like, are, like, well, actually, women are just attracted to the top 20% of men, which is not how it do. Do you know why we're only attracted to 20% of men? It's because fucking 80% of you are fucking terrible. (laughs) Exactly. Good lord. We wish the number was higher. (laughs) Even within the community, they refer to this observation as a Marxist one and use Marxist language to try and come up with solutions, which... (laughs) Why do people keep invoking me in places where... Just let me be dead. Uh, This is ridiculous. I don't think this is an argument that even needs to be, like, given the time of day, nor do I think we uh, should or can consider them Marxist in literally every sense, not in a single one, unless, of course, you are New York Times... Op-ed contributor Ross, do that. Do I wish he wouldn't. Hey, first time anyone's ever made that joke. He penned a piece called The Redistribution of Sex, and I hate it. Though he posits that this will ultimately be about sex robots or porn, a whopping 86% of the some 1,200-word piece are actually about whether or not the right to sex exists. It does not. Uh, and how that concept is applied to real women and real people. He has a couple throwaway lines about uh, sex robots. He, that's the thing, by the way, I should say. Ross Do That is a bad faith actor. He's a shitty person and a bad faith actor. He does not... You can tell that he... And I'm going to get into it, that he does not actually understand what like a term like redistribute the wealth means, especially because he's using redistribution right. in this context. He is just trying to uh, normalize this uh, belief that literally kills people, that mm-hmm. literally gets people killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he is arguing in bad faith. He ends it on, on saying, like, well, the right to sex conversation is one that's going to have to inevitably happen down the line, especially because leftists seem so big into, like, sex workers' rights and things like that. Um, yeah, we're real kooky like that. Yeah, we're we're a bunch of nutty rascals when you really think. Obviously, about it. there's no difference between that and this. Yeah, uh, there aren't many meaningful differences between him and incels, frankly, and it's alarming that he gets published in a major outlet. Uh, 
but that instead, is not surprising. And <sighs> also insane that he had to like trick people into reading it by like being like, "Oh, cloak wait, it's about sex robots. You guys like those, right?" Like, yeah, I most, do. Most of the piece is him like either it, there's there's a uh, particular writer that he invokes who ultimately comes down like saying there is no right to sex and then he goes like but like this person also says that there are like cultural reasons that people are attracted to other people and then tries to like loosely connect that to like so we're gonna have to have the right to sex conversation sometimes ross do that is again bad person writing in bad faith and he's also a dipshit writer like he's not a good writer but instead of talking about that, I would rather talk about how sex is not something that can be redistributed and how framing this whole thing uh, within Marxist language uh, fundamentally misunderstands sex and sex work and indeed Marxism. I also <laughs> want to do this because like the theme this week is imposters and we know that far right spaces on the internet appropriate the language and terms of leftism and social justice. Like uh, the biggest <laughs> example I think in recent memory would be the word triggered, which like yeah. has unfortunately like really lost a lot of meaning because of course like conservatives say it and then liberals say it ironically and then it kind of like meets in that middle where just a shitload of people use this word and 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 demean it, you know, like they take the meaning out of it. Mm -hmm. uh, so what is sex? It is a commodity, but it also isn't. Uh, there are, yeah, like that's the thing is like sex work, sex work is sex as commodity, but mm -hmm. it is not like, it is not the same. I keep hitting your leg because we're all huddled in here. So, <laughs> oh no. Jesus Christ. You know, I'm just gonna take it from the top. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, so what is sex? It is a commodity, but it also isn't. Uh, like in in personal romantic interaction, it is not a commodity. It's it's not. Um, however, there is sex work, and and that is where sex is a commodity. It like that's just a fact. But it's not the same as other commodities. Like mm -hmm. an iPod is not a person. An iPod can't consent to interaction. iPods are not spontaneously listened to out in the wild. Uh, like, like again, like, even mm -hmm. even within, like, personal things, like, iPods are not encountered out in the wild devoid of, like, any transaction of capital and mm -hmm. service. A wild iPod <laughs> in an iPod bush. When you buy an iPod, an iPod can't say, okay, I play Monet, but not Buffett. Like, right. The very fact of incel violence means that treating sex as pure commodity gets women killed. Even people who are not incels kill women over denied sex acts. This is this this, by the way, is what the fight for sex workers' right is ultimately about. It is about ensuring their safety in addition to ensuring their fair treatment as laborers. It is not about ensuring that their sex can be handed out to all these shithead dangerous dudes who are like, Why doesn't anybody wanna fuck me? Also, I want to kill women. He answered his own question. Exactly. Uh, this is fundamentally why there is not and cannot be a right to sex. It fundamentally requires stripping the right to bodily autonomy from others. Like, like again, like it is a commodity that requires consent. Uh, also, redistribution is the wrong word. Redistribution applies specifically to wealth, not commodities. There's no leftist argument to redistribute like computers or something like that. There are commodities that should be distributed evenly, things like healthcare, but you do not redistribute healthcare like you do wealth. Wealth allows the wealthy to afford uh, to to like hoard healthcare and and certain programs. That, I mean, it's like it's what allowed Martin Shkreli to 
jack up the price of his life-saving AIDS medication. That and the lack of soul. Exactly. And so redistributing the wealth is about like eliminating that power, but then also social programs like single-payer healthcare are about ensuring that everybody gets healthcare. And and again, oh, and by the way, not for free. Anybody who says that people want free healthcare are, are ignoring the fact that pet taxes will fucking pay for it. Uh, so wealth grants people access to commodities as well as the power and means to ensure uh, that these things can be evenly distributed. That's why we want to redistribute the wealth and distribute things like healthcare. Redistribution implies a ruling class with access to wealth denied to other classes be uh, the, the barriers based on economics, race, gender, or whatever. This is why intersectional approaches to cultural and economic theory are the only useful ones. But here's the thing. Everyone has access to sex. Like, that's that's the fundamental thing here, is that just by existing and being social creatures, we have access to sex. Um, there is no such thing as a barrier to sexual activity. Consent is not a barrier to a propositioner. It is a form of protection to a propositionee or even to two adults or two people uh, or more people uh, engaged in sexual activity because like consent is a thing that uh, like may vary from encounter to counter and and uh, uh, may require like different things even within uh, with the same people involved you know like not everybody wants to do the same thing every time consent is a protection not a barrier to access uh, the only thing that is a barrier to access is your fucking shitty personality. Uh, by the way, speaking of which, incels hate queer women because uh, because queer women will never give consent to heterosexual encounters because they they like yeah yeah exactly and so and so uh, incels like fundamentally hate that because they believe that they are owed the right to women's bodies. I feel and like if I hate, if I was like, I hate all cab drivers because they never give me ice cream. Yeah, exactly. Fuck them. <laughs> like, but, I'll, I'll, but at the same time, how great would it be if every cab driver gave you ice cream? I, I should have picked a different example. Yeah, you really should have. Now all I want is ice cream. I forgot what we were talking about. People argue that attraction is susceptible to cultural narratives, and it is, uh, for example, the fetishization of black bodies, but uh, consent is not susceptible to cultural narratives. Like, cons- like at the end of the day, uh, like, no is no, yes is yes. That's it. Uh, and even and even things like, like the Aziz Ansari thing, where a, a person is, is actively pushing you away and, and communicating clearly through body language, this is bad. I do not like this. These things are hard. They are written in stone. No fucking moral relativist bullshit here. No like time, place, culture thing. Rape is rape. Consent is consent. Yes is yes. No is no. There is no such thing as a ruling sexual class. Some people fuck and others do not, but everyone can if they so choose. Wealth is held and exchanged for commodities. Sex is not held and exchanged for other commodities. And sometimes sex is not even a commodity. And that is the ultimate truth of this discussion is that none of this terminology is even relevant to economic theory. Incels do not want to fuck uh, in, uh, they do not want to fuck in a professional commodified sense. Otherwise, uh, like, you know, paying for porn or even, yes, sex robots would do it for them. It's not about like 
orgasm and release they want to fuck in an entirely personal sense they want a woman that they can own and possess and abuse in their private life you cannot redistribute you cannot distribute or redistribute something like love or friendship to suggest so would be ridiculous like it's that same principle you nobody has like a right to friendship and and friendship is based in a lot of the same ideas fundamentally that sex is is that like it is about uh, social beings interacting with one another, uh, providing comfort and, and or or uh, support, and if that is not given or or that interaction is not wanted for whatever reason, then it is done and it is over, and it is not indicative of like a a ruling class of people based off of social interaction. So, ugh, Ross, do that should be fired, and that's my little talk about. They sex. should. Do that. Uh, yeah, they really Man, should. that bummed me out. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Tom. I'm sorry. Sorry, Tom. I wanted to... Uh, it just drives me nuts that that uh, far-right people... I, I, I got a good one when you're done. Uh, really? <laughs> that far-right people uh, it, like misappropriate uh, intentionally leftist uh, and, and the language of social justice and then fucking everybody else eats it up like, oh no, this is a very interesting idea. In cell, more like in hell, because that's where that story took us. <laughs> Told you I had a good one. Never, James dead. I've never heard like talks on consent mixed in with talks with Marxism so much. <laughs> <laughs> We've been living with Tom for a while. I know. Where have you been? <laughs> I just haven't heard them blended a lot. I'm sorry. Alrighty, let's fucking do this. I'm gonna I'm gonna change the mood a little bit. We're get ready for a little bit of whiplash. Dick Tracy. Drum, drum, drum. Car crash, Miles Teller. That's very good. That's exactly what I was going to sing. Car crash, Miles Teller. That's Whiplash the Musical. That's exactly. your opening number right there. Dick Tracy. Is an American comic strip. Dick Tracing? No, Dick Tracy. Oh. That, we are going to get sued if we talk about that. That's a different podcast. If anyone listening to Media Majors gets the reference I just made, fucking write in and I will Venmo you 50 fucking dollars. I'm serious. Oh, oh all right. Okay. okay. Right. You know all when right. that happens. Hey, Media Majors Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. We're going to hold Jane to this. Yeah. Dick Tracy. All right. Here we go. Dick Tracy is an American comic strip featuring Dick Tracy, originally plainclothes Tracy, but they changed it because what? <laughs> what did you write down? He's a tough and intelligent police detective created by Chester Gould, or Gould. The strip made its debut on October 14th, 1931 in the Detroit Mirror. It was distributed by the Chicago Tribune New York News Syndicate. And uh, Gould wrote and drew the strip until 72. And then a bunch of different people came in and kept the strip, the, the strip going. Tracy used forensic science, advanced gadgetry, and wits, in an early example of the police procedural, although stories often ended in gunfights just the same. Warren Beatty or Beatty, no one knows how it's pronounced. The true pronunciation died. Even he's alive, but he won't tell you. It's been spoken once and was writ on a scroll. Yeah, it was now, like Black Bolt. Yeah, it's like Latin. His it, name's like sort of a dead language. Mm -hmm. He's an American actor and filmmaker. He's been nominated for 14 Academy Awards. <laughs> Four for Best Actor, four for Best Picture, two for Best Director, three for Original Screenplay, and one for Adapted Screenplay. Uh, 
He's the only person to have been nominated for acting, directing, writing, and producing, and he did it twice. So there you go. He also made an adaption of Dick Tracy. He had a concept for a Dick Tracy film in 75 and basically just tried to get the film rights, but the produ- the like people who owned it were like, nah, we're going to let someone else do it. And uh, it went through a bunch of different people. John Landis at one point was going to do it with Clint Eastwood as Dick Tracy. Oh, yikes. Uh, but then John Landis did that thing where you make a movie and a bunch of people die, yeah. and, uh, and then you belong in prison, but you get out. But you of get it out of it because you're, you're Hollywood, wealthy, yeah. and then your son uh, makes a career, even though he's a sex criminal. Anywho, oh, uh, other actors that were considered for the role because they, they they just would sometimes be like, we don't have a director, let's just cast it because we don't know how this business works. <laughs> Included Harrison Ford, Richard Gere, Tom Selleck, and uh, anti-Semite Mel Gibson. Um, so basically from 72 to 88, Warren Beatty is like, I, I got it. I got this. I know what to do for this movie. And he finally gets the rights and they start making Dick Tracy. He's got a budget of 25 million. Disney is going to uh, help produce it. So they get Al Pacino. <laughs> Madonna, Dick Van Dyke, Dustin Hoffman, Paul Sorvino, Mandy Patinkin, William Forsyth, and James Cast, uh, James Can as the cast, along with Ka- Kathy Bates and Catherine O'Hara in smaller parts. And what did they do to their faces? They did this to their faces. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh. They all look like bad grandpa, except for Marilyn Monroe. That's who's <laughs> Madonna. <laughs> like Madonna. Madonna. Um. So these were so like they, they all look like villains in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, right? So they wanted it to look like very comic-y, but they also wanted it to be gritty. So for some reason, they had all the bad guys like wear these terrible face prosthetics. Just want to give you nightmares, I guess. Um, oh no, they just want me to think about all those creaks and crevices and those old old men. Al Pacino's makeup alone took three and a half hours. To oh apply. my god. So many valleys to explore. <laughs> uh, this was right after the success of Tim Burton's first Batman movie, so they expected this film to do, like, amazing. Uh, they modeled a marketing campaign after the Batman movie, um, including a McDonald's promotional tie-in and a Warren Beatty interview by Barbara Walters, which apparently is, like, that's how we get kids to like the movie. Kids love Barbara Walters. Oh, my God, this is going to be incredible. you got to go on 60 minutes. Your sentence of Warren Beatty getting interviewed by Barbara Walters, I, like, started to fall asleep. <laughs> right? Kids love it. What what I just heard was kids love Warren Beatty Was Andy Barbara Rooney Walters. at the end? Was it at that era? <laughs> Why are they making a comic strip into a movie? I like you can't read a movie, and that's my notes on it. <laughs> Fucking Andy Rooney made an entire career of just complaining for three minutes into a camera. The lucky son of a gun. Oh my god. Uh, Madonna even promoted the movie during her Blonde Ambition World Tour. <laughs> so just imagine how brave of her. I know, right? <laughs> I did a movie with a bunch of monsters. <laughs> So, the film earned, it was just three million short of its budget uh, in its opening weekend. It was the third highest opening weekend of 1990. It eventually made a bunch of money. It's the ninth highest grossing film of the night of 1990. Um, 
But as we've learned, it's never the the budget they use for a movie is never the actual budget, so it was technically still a net loss, and it looked like that uh, even though seven to ten years later it made uh, more money back through video and stuff, they didn't want anything to do with it anymore. Uh, even though it got Oscar nominations, making it the first comic book movie, and out of uh, only two comic book movies to be nominated for an Oscar, the other one being The Dark Knight. You know what's so great about the the title Dick Tracy is it's is it's the most applicable porn name in the entire world. It's completely gender neutral. Mm-hmm. Dick Tracy, Dick Tracy. There are only two genders: They're... Dick and Tracy. <laughs> yeah, Dick. <laughs> they wanted it to be like an Indiana Jones. Wait, what? Like a, a you know a huge franchise with this like main character that. <laughs> so basically, after the movie is made. Warren and Tribune Media are just fighting over the rights. Warren has bought the rights, but Tribune still wants to do something with it. Um, they, and so they do one of those things that we've talked about before, where basically it's like, you, you they they gave Warren Beatty like a you know you got to use this property or it goes back to Tribune. Like your contract's running up, mm-hmm. so. He throws a fastball. I mean, uh, nope, not the right sports metaphor. He throws a Hail Mary. The fastball of football. <laughs> not even true. The line drive of football. In 2008. The alley-oop of football. Turner Classic Movies, a channel that just shows old movies for my mom to watch in the morning. An original program. <laughs> Wait, true story. My mom delayed getting rid of her cable she wasn't using for two years exclusively because of the local news and Turner Classic Movies. <laughs> All moms watch Turner Classic Movies. Oh. All right. So Turner Classic Movies in 2008. Oh, we gotta get real quiet now. Yeah. Let's get oh, let's get into the mic. We can just tell the listeners. These... Our puppy started barking, and we had to take a little break to be quiet well, so that she would fall what? asleep. I've we're... turned up the input volume, so we should be fine. So now you're gonna get all these like wet, sexy <laughs> mouth noises. We're oh. in your ears, ASMR. listeners. ASMR media major surprise. Ugh. Now I don't want to do the podcast. ASMR media majors. <laughs> Jesus. So Turner Classic Movies puts on a half-hour original program that was written by, produced, and starred Warren Beatty. Ah, uh, George, Warren's stories are on the television. Who reprised his role as the yellow overcoat-wearing gumshoe Dick Tracy. Oh, and it's on at 7 p.m. In Perfect. an interview with Leonard Moulton. Oh, okay. So Warren Beatty yeah. made a 30-minute short. Uh-huh where he pretends to be a comic character that film reviewer Leonard Moulton interviews. I know what you're wondering. Does at one point Dick Tracy's uh, sidekick hit on um, the blonde woman from Reno 911 and Bridesmaids whose name just escaped me, Wendy something? Because she's in it, and that was real distressing to see. Because I like her a lot. Who was this for? <laughs> Who was it for? It was for Warren Beatty's lawyers so that they could hang on to the fucking Dick Tracy IP. So I watched the whole interview and like Leonard Moulton just asks him questions as if he's the real Dick Tracy. And, and not at once does anyone go, this is ridiculous. <laughs> what are we doing? That's Warren Beatty. That's Warren Beatty on the television screen. I know his name. 
and they talk about the other Dick Tracy movies, and he like admits that he's over, like he's a hundred something years old, because that's like how old Dick Tracy would be by now, and it's like, who, what are we fucking doing? Does he explain his youth in fiction? Oh, it was something really stupid. It was like almonds or something. <sighs> it was dumb, and it was literally Warren Beatty, like clearly trying to make a joke. Men are dumb. So Leonard Moulton was interviewed about the whole experience. How did Warren Beatty approach you about this, Leonard? He said he wanted to reassert and reaffirm his rights to the character, and he cited that one means of doing that was doing a little feature. Uh, oh, Leonard Moulton got final cut approval. <laughs> do people ever bring the special up to you? Leonard Moulton says, no. Then uh, they ask him, were you happy with it? Leonard says, well, what was my doing? I was a cog in a wheel. I just wanted to be good for him. I wanted to give him what he wanted. The day before the shoot, one of his production assistants called to set up timing. Uh, we need Leonard full for full eight-hour day, they said. That's eh, not important. Basically, he just really wanted to do this for Warren. And apparently Warren Beatty did takes over and over and over and over and over again for a 30-minute fake interview with a character who does not exist. And they got famous cinematographer Emmanuel uh, Lubezki to shoot it because this is just For God's sake, tell me this fucking thing actually came out. Yeah. Oh, it aired and everything. Oh, man. I watched the whole thing. No, I don't mean the interview. I mean, like, the, the movie. The, the movie oh, that no. they the did this se- for. The sequel has not come out yet. Um... So at the end, uh, Dick Tracy gets a call that the city needs him, and he, the interview is over. And uh, Beatty has not played the character since. Uh, at an appearance of the 2016 San Diego... The only way you can redistribute the sex is if you tell Dick Tracy the city needs him <laughs> like that. At an appearance at the 2016 San Diego Comic-Con, Beatty again expressed interest in doing another Dick Tracy Wait, movie. what? He is now 81 years old. <laughs> okay. And that is the story of the Dick Tracy imposter interview. <laughs> a real thing that happened. That's, that was extremely bizarre. It's a very bizarre world we live in. So we're going to take a quick break, hear about another show on the network. And when we get back, Jane's got a real doozy for us. Have you ever watched something for your favorite actor, but then afterwards you realized it wasn't worth your time? Well, our time is worth nothing. I'm Katie. And I'm Lenny. And together we host the Filmographers. Every month we pick an actor and watch everything they've done. Then we report back to you so you know everything to decide if it's worth your time. So check us out on the Major Cast Network or wherever you find your podcasts. New episodes the first week of every month. Hey everybody, it's me, it's Tom. Uh, I'm here to reiterate the trigger warning from earlier and to emphasize it a little bit stronger. Uh, I spoke a little bit more broadly about incel misogyny, but Jane's story gets really in-depth about uh, one particular situation between a relationship between uh, two people that was deeply abusive and she lists a bunch of uh, incidents cited in a court case about this abuse and it is extremely triggering in fact i had to ask her to stop because it was triggering me so uh just i want to i want to really really uh strengthen that this is going to be have some kind of upsetting stuff in it i'm going to put a time code in the description so that way if you want to still listen to the rest of the story and just skip that particular nasty bit uh you can do so consider yourself warned i hope you enjoyed the rest of the episode bye-bye have you guys heard of poppy Yes. No. 
honestly thought it would be the other way around. I mean, I guess I know you know because I've told you, but I was like, Tom. I knew about Poppy before you told me about So, her. rising to fame in 2014, mainly via YouTube, she's essentially an... Sorry, <laughs> thought it would be silent. Just started my story. All right. Rising to fame in 2014, mainly via YouTube, she's essentially like an art experiment of a celebrity. Her character is that of a human trying to like learn how to be an android or the other way around. I still can't exactly tell. No so is she sure. like, is she like our Hatsune Miku? Sort of. Her videos are short and abstract. They star poppy in bizarre, creepy, serene situations. She has her own merchandise, a YouTube Red series, a Sundance documentary, a Comedy Central miniseries, and a worldwide music tour. Okay, okay. this is, yeah, yeah, this is Hatsune Miku. She's a real person. She's collaborated with... You take that back. Hatsune Miku is as real as my teeth are. That's your pillow wife. Wife. (laughs) She's collaborated with Steve Madden, Brandon Wardell, and others we'll get into later. Poppy is famous, popular, weird, and zeitgeisty. But more than any of that, she's totally plagiarized. Mm-hmm. Brandon Wardell, let me come on your podcast. All right. Now, I don't know if we'll end up using the audio for this, but anyways, I just want to show you guys something really quick. Oh, uh, let's do it. No, 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 Jen. Let's it. wake up that sleeping dog. Is it David S. Pumpkins? I'm Poppy. I'm Poppy. I'm Poppy. I'm Poppy. I'm Poppy. I am Poppy. I'm Poppy. Who is she? So this is from 2015. Getting a fantastic read on some of her other videos. This was her first one on this channel. Oh, it's an ad. What are you? What have you done? You've ruined the whole podcast now. Oh oh, man! Oh, look at that cat's asshole. (laughs) That cat's butt. Oh, we are gazing at a cat's asshole. That has been to the abyss of a cat's anus. They CGI'd it out, but we were looking through a glass table at a cat's. But All right, so this is how she premiered herself to the world. I'm Poppy. <laughs> Does she, she know we're rolling? The cotton candy. It's she, not even how you eat cotton candy properly. She's still eating that cotton candy. Boy, you really need to play with the fast forward button. There we Duh. Oh, that hey. was scary. That was so That's the thing. That Poppy's like quite creepy. So, now we're going to rewind a little bit. <laughs> Chapter one a collaboration. Wait, but chapter one's at the beginning of the book. Oh, we just got fucking prologued. Mm-hmm. In 2008, a darker time. <laughs> or actually, I don't know. But Obama was in office. The Dark Knight had just come out. Eh, things were okay. Yeah. Anyways, in 2008, a girl named Brittany Sheets met this guy, Corey Mixter, on MySpace. They met up in real life, started oh, dating. Oh, man. If ever a friendship were to blossom on MySpace, it would be with a guy named Corey Mixter. <laughs> Just wait. They uh, meet up in real life, start dating, and uh, move to Chicago and become an, an indie pop duo called Mars Argo, which Brittany also adopted as her personal pseudonym and stage name. She's more known as Mars Argo than she is as Brittany, and similarly, similarly, Corey began going as Titanic Sinclair. Now let's take a moment to talk about how one of those pseudonyms is pretty good, and one of those is Titanic Sinclair. <laughs> Which is like a fragrance for douchebags? <laughs> Mars Argo was fun to say and is kind of a play on the name Margot. Uh, Titanic Sinclair is just weird. It's just the ship and the name of a white person. So anyways, while that was the so name... So just two names of white people. While that was sort of the name <laughs> like of their... Like Jeffrey Rush. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jeffrey Rush, I love you. 
While that was the name of their music duo, I will be using Mars and Titanic to refer to them respectively, since that's what they are uh, most known as and what like fans refer to them as. And we have to give Titanic the you know the dunking on he deserves. Sure, but if you hear me say Britney and Corey, it's them. So you gotta be careful not Sorry. to keep tapping that. Uh, in addition to making music, these two made a lot of content together, existing mm-hmm. mainly on YouTube. While their band was called Mars Argo, they also had a popular YouTube channel called GroceryBag.tv. Oh, fuck me. That's a bad name. Couples make content together. All of the content on their channel was self-produced and consisted of short films, music videos, and a series called Computer Show. The channel was active from (laughs) 2000. The channel was active from 2009 through 2014, and roughly 92 videos were released during that time. Their most popular non-music video is a 2014 episode of Computer Show titled Delete Your Facebook, which was pretty relevant in 2014 and is still kind of relevant now, because in both years everyone just wants to get rid of fucking Facebook but feels like they can't. Uh, it's so easy, it's guys. I did, I did, it. did it. it. We all did it? It was a real yeah. Oh, yeah. yes. I did a We're off the grid. <laughs> The duo released their debut studio album, Technology is a Dead Bird, on November 6th, 2009, followed by two more EPs in 2010 and 2011. Technology is still a dead bird. In, technology? Never seen a deader bird. In 2000, Look at this dead bird I found I named it technology. In 2012, the couple moved to LA, where they filmed and released the remainder of their YouTube channel's uploads until January 2014, when Britney broke up with Titanic, Mm. but requested to keep working with him in a professional context as their project's uh, success was growing and she had put in a lot of work. However, that works man, always works out well. God, God bless people who have the fucking fortitude to do some shit like that, though. Just like after a breakup, be like, no, my shit is too important for whatever is happening here. Well, within a few months, it was clear this was not working with Titanic and their creative enders. T- within gonna, a few months. No, 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 no. I'm going to insist. I can't talk. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to insist that you not refer to him as Titanic anymore. Refer oh, to him as his regular name, no. Mixter. I don't agree. No, it's got to be Titanic. Uh, within a few within a few months, it was clear this was not working and Titanic was not willing, so their creative endeavors together ended as well. Would you uh, say that their relationship hit kind of an iceberg? Now, remember I brought up the YouTube channel they ran together for five years with the 92 videos? They posted tons of content. Guess how many videos are currently viewable on their channel? Um, uh, The answer is zero. Nope. No, I'm going to say... Five. Twenty-nine. Three. Ah, it's close. Whoa, what, oh, what made the cut? All their music, except for two songs, disappeared from YouTube, um, and I think that the third one is the Delete Your Facebook video, uh, as well as 99% of the content they create together. Years' worth of work and partnerships suddenly just wiped from the internet for, like, no public explanation. Was this an act of spite or a cover-up? Keep listening, Media Majors fans, to find out. See, another ad break could go right here. <laughs> we here at the Media Majors Farms enjoy the sweet, lemony taste of Lipton's iced tea. Okay. Chapter 2, The Theories. Ever since they broke up, both romantically and professionally, tons of internet users have discussed the... Re- Ever since they broke up, both romantically and professionally, tons of internet users and fans have discussed the reasons in Mars and Titanic's relationship that caused this. For starters, Mars and Titanic have, like, a weird, dark dynamic in a lot of their videos, even when they're trying to be cute or artistic. Blood, costumes, tense body language, these are all staples <laughs> of their work. Uh, as the they big often, three. 
as they often aim to satirize other viral personalities and celebrities in the technological age. Ah, yes, that's how I satirize all personalities. <laughs> Blood. They even made a short film called Our First Date, which is just a weirdly stylized footage of them eating together at a McDonald's and going to a graveyard. There's no dialogue. <laughs> However... Hey, some people shouldn't make content, I'm just Hey, you say. know, listen, what is a personality, you know? <laughs> However, fans would still notice and get uncomfortable when there were hints of unhealthiness in their dynamic. Some of Mars's lyrics seem to describe a toxic relationship, or when uh, Titanic would seemingly try to control her during interviews or their YouTube videos. Additionally, around the time of their breakup, some screenshots were leaked from both their private accounts and their YouTube channel. Holy shit, Jane. One conversation is very clearly about Titanic cheating on Mars, Ooh, with Titanic even yikes. saying, it meant nothing to me, I was acting on hormones, and Mars <sighs> mentioning how even her ex-boyfriend didn't cheat on her. Ugh, fucking dudes are the worst. In another screenshot of a conversation between them, Mars says, you didn't build me up, you cut me down and made me feel weak. They just haven't been punched by you and cheated on by you. And Titanic's response was, definitely not your fault, though. And he spelled though, just T-H-O, which seems to heavily imply him putting some of the blame on her for him assaulting her and cheating on her, which, like, as y'all know, is not cool. Chapter 3, A New Collaboration. Very shortly after the breakup, Titan- and I think technically before, like, their professional relationship ended, Titanic began working with someone new. A singer, actress, and upcoming YouTuber named Mariah Rose Pereira. When Titanic met Mariah, she had long brown hair and a uh, like moderate YouTube following from her acoustic covers. <laughs> Quickly after teaming up with Titanic, Mariah like switched up her style. She began going as Poppy or That Poppy and launched her new YouTube channel, That Poppy TV, which is now Remember just called Poppy. From the prologue. <laughs> All of her previous YouTube videos she deleted and like wiped her channel so it was blank. That had been existing since 2011, and then created a new first video in 2014. Does it involve cotton candy? A few months after they split, yes. The video is an abstract skit, uh, which is how it's described, I would not agree, called Poppy Eats Cotton Candy, directed by Titanic Sinclair. It's not abstract. You're telling me what's going to happen, and then the thing just happened. At this time, she also cut and dyed her hair to be blonde and straight, changing her musical style from acoustic, like, singer-songwriter jams to a much more, like, electronic-style pop music, and she also began speaking in a totally different voice and style, making herself sound more robotic and infantile and having, like, a higher pitch. She and Titanic began making YouTube videos together, incredibly similar to those he used to make with Mars. The videos are described by their producer, Titanic Sinclair himself, as, quote, a combination of Andy Warhol's pop accessibility, David Lynch's creepiness, and Tim Burton's zany comedic tone. So, I want Titanic so... Sinclair to choke on. Like, well, yeah, what you're describing is a is a English major with a very specific vision who abuses women and grooms them. As someone who's watching these videos, I would say it's very generous of him to say that they nailed the combo of these incredibly <laughs> famous, successful artists. Sinclair and Tim Burton. <laughs> One time, one time, I listened to a band that, uh, it was a one-man band, and he described himself as a little bit of Trent Reznor, Jimi Hendrix, and Bach, and he sounded like if you threw a pot into a garbage disposal. In an interview, Titanic, uh, implied, or, sorry, in an interview, Titanic explained that Poppy's character in her promotional videos presented itself as an android, and how some of the concept relates to the uncanny valley hypothesis. Yes, of course. 
Poppy's friend Charlotte, a mannequin <laughs> with a synthetic voice who sometimes interviews celebrities, is a recurring character in the videos. Right. She usually appears interacting with Poppy, but also sometimes on her own. She appears to have developed a drug and jealousy problem after Poppy became famous, okay. which strains the relationship. Okay. Although Charlotte became Poppy's opening act for her 2017-2018 Poppy oh. Computer World Tour. They made up. Other characters include Charlotte's son, a boy mannequin who Whoa. has been who has been the brunt of abuse at the hands of his mother during a drug stupor. What? Plant, voiced by Sinclair, which is just a potted basil plant. What? what? Who is one of Poppy's closest friends and biggest supporter. What? And Skeleton, also voiced by Sinclair, a plastic model skeleton who's revealed to be the one selling Charlotte her drugs. What is happening right now? Man, this sounds like really <laughs> useful art. It's all pretty confusing and pretentious and heavy-handed, but people love it and consider it social commentary, it's I guess. Not. It's In not. October, it's a man abusing women. <laughs> In October 2016, Poppy released an experimental ambient music album album called uh, 336, like a time code, composed by Titanic Sinclair and herself. Quickly, Poppy grew to be more famous than any of them have ever been. She gained her own miniseries on Comedy Central called Internet Famous with Poppy, a sponsorship deal with Steve Madden, a documentary. She started selling these plastic pink triangle membership rings to fans. That's not weird. <laughs> and she even sold a book that parodies the Bible as if, like, Poppy had written her own religious texts. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. This is all normal behavior. This is definitely not a cult leader. Well, there are people who say, like, cult of Poppy and that they're in the cult of Poppy. Oh, man. Oh. Oh god, I hate it. Chapter this. four. Theft. Now it wasn't illegal for Titanic to immediately begin working with another act once he and Mars split ties. Making music and videos under one brand doesn't mean you can't ever do those things with another brand. But since the creation of the Poppy identity, thousands of audience members and YouTube commentators have rightly pointed out the multiple similarities shared with Mars. In addition to replicating the same type of content, electric pop music duo with a weirdly socio-political YouTube presence, there are a concerning number of details that indicate plagiarism. To start with the superficial, the makeover that Titanic essentially gave Poppy included her looking much more like Mars, including hair, makeup, voice, wardrobe, and basically just like alter altering her whole style. The backdrop and content of their YouTube videos with Titanic are incredibly similar to those he did with Mars, uh, including the directing style, even going so far as to have a video in 2017 entitled Delete Your Facebook that is almost a word-perfect replica of the 2014 video he made with Mars Argo, also entitled Delete Your Facebook. <laughs> just did the same video again. Both well, that's just intelligent. Like Both still exist on YouTube Evil today. Evil Dead 2 is just a remake of Evil Dead 1. All over the internet, there are pictures, audio clips, videos, and articles, all dedicated to showing all the various ways, big and small, that the character of Poppy has copied the character of Mars. People act like fucking sleuths online, and they make these compilations of photo cuts between them and shows and stuff. I'm Sarah Koenig. It's grown enough that I'd call it a conspiracy theory, except, you know, I fucking think it's true. <laughs> so chapter five, confirming the rumors. Now I first became aware of this story back in January, where I discovered old Mars Argo music on YouTube. Fuck the haters, I liked the music. <laughs> then one day in autoplay, a song by not Mars Argo, but Titanic Sinclair came on. Turns out he had a short solo career after the breakup that was like one EP, I think? I don't know. Anyways, what was weird was that in parentheses next to the song title was, quote, parentheses, song about Mars Argo. Yikes. And the lyrics are super mean. I was so shocked and curious about this guy who made hate music about his ex that I did some Googling. What I found out, which is how I found out about all of this. 
Now, people on the internet have been keeping this story alive since 2014. Britney, aka Mars, has been more or less off the grid since 2014, not releasing much new content and really only posting to her Tumblr and she, like, does some photography. What kept this story present on the internet for four plus years has been the fans. There are millions upon millions of message boards, YouTube uploads, YouTube comments, Reddit posts, etc. that have kept this from being buried. While a huge majority of the Mars Argo Titanic content was deleted from their channel, so much of it has been torrented, saved, and uploaded by tons of random fans to the point where I've seen most of it in just low quality. I saw one user post a not-so-great quality version of a Mars Argo song that didn't exist anywhere else online and straight up wrote in the caption, YouTube keeps deleting this and every time I re-upload the quality gets worse but I won't ever stop. <laughs> If you scroll down the comment section on any piece of content related to Mars, Titanic, or Poppy at all, you're sure to see people debating the whole situation. It's pretty common to see, like, Team Mars or Cult of Poppy thrown in there. It's people really love to choose sides and pit two women against each other. <laughs> so, for years, fans in the internet people have continued to keep it alive, even though Mars was uh, kind of quiet and, like, Poppy and Titanic will never address this and uh, share her story, or at least their understanding of it. There were rumors of Mars releasing a new album, becoming an actress, etc., as she's been private and people have demanded to know what's going on. That changed two weeks ago when on April 18th, Mars Argo posted I'm Ready on Tumblr and proceeded to publicly file a lawsuit against Titanic Sinclair. Fuck yeah. Not only for IP theft on the characters of Mars slash Poppy, but also for severe emotional and psychological abuse. Good. Good Ch for her. Chapter 6. This is personal. Crimes are not mutually Crimes are not mutually exclusive. You can shoot someone and also steal their car, and you both are still crimes, even if one is considered worse than the other. There are two times that there are two crimes that Titanic Sinclair may be guilty of, but I think it's important that we discuss both. So, firstly, let's go back to the copyright issues before tackling the much heavier abuse aspect here. I discussed all the similarities that other people had noticed between Mars and Poppy collected across the internet in less than official ways. So to be more official, I want to take a look at the copyright instances that Mars cites herself in the lawsuit. Summary quote. When the Mars Argo project ended, Mr. Mixter... Tommy will be happy the whole fucking lawsuit good, calls yeah, on Mr. Yeah. Mixter. Yeah, this, this, this fucking prick does not deserve to hide behind a stage name. <laughs> when the Mars Argo project ended, Mr. Mixter transformed Poppy into a, news into a new Mars Argo and directly copied the content, style, aesthetic, sound, and expression of ideas of Mrs. Sheets. If if you get him to say his name backwards, he, he goes, goes back, back to his own dimension. dimension. Yeah, that's a, I was trying to think of how to work a Superman joke into there somewhere. If you don't know who we're talking about, Google Mr. Mixelplitz. Good luck spelling that. <laughs> Mrs. Sheets is informed and believes that Mr. Mixter wanted to displace Mars Argo with Poppy. Just like Mars Argo, constant themes of Poppy related to the internet, celebrity, and pop culture with a focus on the future and technology. Specifics. Over the years, many people have publicly commented on how Poppy is copying Mars Argo. One typical comment refers to Poppy as a complete copycat. Side note, I have seen so many people online call her, like, copy instead of poppy, or like a poppy cat, or like That's all these good. different puns, and it's pretty fun. You burnt. So one example, the fucking delete your Facebook videos <laughs> from 2014-2017, which is like just legit plagiarism. In April 2014, Mrs. Sheets began studying Japanese language at the Fuji School in downtown Los Angeles. Later, Mrs. Sheets stopped attending when Mr. Mixer and Mrs. Pereira became students there as well. So basically, she was taking class 
classes and then they just showed up and like also started taking them and she felt so uncomfortable yeah, she had to leave i would imagine that that was intentional that is that is an abuser's tactic is to like sign up for classes that you know somebody uh, who you're abusing is in so that you can like we're gonna them. we're gonna hear a lot of tactics in july 2015 mrs sheets modeled for the brand called little sunny bite based out of tokyo japan the work was published in nylon japan magazine and in promotional materials for the brand not coincidentally, two years later, Pop, Poppy worked with the Little Sunny Bright brand. Similarly, Mars Argo would regularly wear Sanrio Hello Kitty items in her videos. Later, Poppy became the face of Sanrio Hello Kitty in 2017. I'm going to take a sip of water. These fucking names are hard on the top. Well, at least everyone's named normally in this story. Now, there aren't really enough time. There isn't enough time to really go through, like, every single instance pointed out. I will show you guys some of the photos in the lawsuit as, like, examples of content where it's like she's doing the same thing or like wearing the same thing or like that's delete your facebook uh they like she copied her like pose that she performs in and her outfits and just like a lot of very specific like photographs and imagery to the point where it's like really weird that's Mm -hmm. so strange there's Uh, a picture of mars argo holding a bag of lays and then next to it is a very similar picture of poppy holding a bag of doritos doing the same thing you can't all right. And then there's another one with, uh, with Wait, where's this one going? With the first one holding a Pepsi. <laughs> oh, and then the other the one, one holding, holding an RC Cola. <laughs> so Poppily, Poppy, <laughs> similarly herself has copied Mars Argo's distinctive hand gestures and lighting while performing live. Donna holding her fingers together with hands flared out at 90 degree angle with pink backlight, providing like an ethereal effect. They both kind of dress like angels. In 2013-2014, Mars Argo often dressed in a bunny costume or wore bunny ear headbands during segments. In 2016, Poppy similarly wore, like, the same bunny ears headband during one YouTube segment and dressed in a bunny-like costume in another. Poppy even did one YouTube segment where she blows up the very same, or if not the same, like, very identical inflatable plastic white bunny that Mrs. Sheets had purchased and uses a prop in one of her own videos. This sounds dumb, but it's like someone taking a piece of imagery from your work and then popping it on camera, which feels like a threat almost when you watch it. It's like very creepy. So Poppy's copying of Margo, Mars, I almost said Margo, continued in February 2017 when Poppy posted a YouTube segment that reproduced a prior Mars Argo YouTube video. Uh, the pot, it's the one you just pointed out where like Poppy is holding up like a name of brand name potato chips and like talking about commercial products and like tasting them to the camera. It's the exact same thing Mars Argo did on Grocery Bag TV in 2013. It's like one of the most exam- like obvious examples of plagiarism here. Both videos are bad content, <laughs> but one is clearly ripping off the other. Nothing, none of my arguments are here are exactly for any of this being good content, but it's successful content and one is totally like stealing from the other. Taken together, each of these instances, and there are many others, cannot be dismissed as mere coincidence. They show a clear, repeated, and willful pattern of copying and stealing Mrs. Sheets' work, content, identity, style, aesthetic, likeness, and expression of ideas as Mars Argo. The two characters are so similar, in fact, that in August 2016, a potential music manager that Mrs. Sheets was interested in working with pulled up the Poppy Low Life music video during a meeting with Mrs. Sheets, mistaking her and thinking that it was Mrs. Sheets in the video. Yeah. So he, like, pulls up a video of Poppy and is like, oh, this is you, right, to Marzarga. To add to the confusions of fans about whether the Poppy project was a continuation of Mars Argo, in 2016, a friend of Titanic's posted a video that they had, like, previously recorded before breaking up. Um, It was a music video, and in it, Mars, like, almost seems to die, but that's just part of the video. 
So then people started thinking that it was either the same woman or that Marzargo was, like, passing the torch to Poppy and that Poppy was supposed to be, like, taking over for Marzargo after death. No, nope, That no, isn't what happened. Uh, since the non-consensual release of Everybody Wants It All video, Mrs. Sheets further is informed and believes that Mr. Mixter and Mrs. Pereira purposely have used the disappearance of Marzargo to their benefit by making subtle references to Marzargo and Poppy projects. They, like, reference her like she's a dead person. Yeah. Uh, that video that they released was exactly three minutes and 30 seconds long. A few months later, Poppy directly referenced that in her own work, even titling her first album three, uh, like, colon 36, like, three minutes, 30 seconds that's long. What, uh, that's weird. In January yeah. 2017, Poppy released a show on Comedy Central called Internet Famous with Poppy, and it, would, like, looked exactly like Computer Show, <laughs> except just, like, higher quality. The lawsuit also cites multiple quotes from, like, uh, publications talking about this from like Wire to Vice to Polygon all talking about these uh, um, these similarities. The Cut posted an article called Poppy Might Just Be the Warhol of the Internet Era which commented that Mars Argo was a poppy prototype. Mm. To top it off and You know what's so good about art is that when it is when it comes at the cost of abusing women it makes you a fucking genius. I fucking hate that mentality so much. Let's ignore it. Let's ignore the abuse because we think that this vapid art is cool. To top it off, and I've been seeing this on YouTube and it's kind of funny, at public poppy performances like concerts, individuals in the audience have begun yelling, where's Mars Argo in unison? (laughs) And the portions of the concert where fans yelled this have been reposted online multiple times by fans. At one poppy computer tour show during the 336 interlude, a fan shouted, where's Mars Argo? And poppy responded, should we end this show early? Your choice. Yikes. All right. I'm glad that I'm glad that where critics failed, fans are at least picking up the torch a little bit. Okay, now on to the abuse. We will be putting some trigger warnings in front of this. Let's just do it now. Now, I mentioned screenshots, lyrics, and theories earlier that indicate years' worth of suspicion about how Titanic may have been mistreating Mars, but these were all taken from, like, other people and were, like, objectively conjecture or inferences and, like, people were arguing with the screenshots and, like, dumb shit like that. Well... Now there is a 40-page lawsuit, which you can all read online, by the way. And if you want to see, like, visual references and examples, they're there. You can just Google it. So according to this, Mars Following has quite... Oh, sorry. So the lawsuit that Mars is following has much more than just theories, because she knows the fucking truth. So as summarizing the lawsuit, in January 2014, after confronting Mr. Mixter about his recurrent infidelity, Mrs. Sheets ended her relationship with Mr. Mixter and asked that their association become strictly professional. However, Mr. Mixter did not honor Mrs. Sheets' request. Following the end of their romantic relationship, Mr. Mixter began to repeatedly harass, stalk, threaten, and abuse Mrs. Sheets, including but not limited to threatening to commit suicide, repeatedly showing up unannounced at Mrs. Sheets' doorsteps, uh, breaking into her apartment, stalking her every move on social media, disparaging her to mutual friends, acquaintances, and others in the industry, and even physically assaulting her. Despite Mr. Mixter's abusive behavior, Mrs. Sheets was hesitant to end their professional association because she had worked so hard to build Marzargo and the project was gaining notoriety. However, the abuse and manipulation from Mr. Mixter became too much, and Mrs. Sheets stopped making new content with him. In June 2014, Mrs. Sheets put the band on hiatus from rehearsals and performances. Thereafter, Mr. Mixter's abusive conduct only grew worse. What follows is a series of instances often supplemented with photographic evidence of multiple times Titanic abused Mars in all senses. In interest of being accurate and not prioritizing, like, certain abuses above others, I'm going to go through the main ones listed in the lawsuit, 
Mars explains how Titanic constantly insulted her intellect and denigrated and degraded her in public and private. He would lie about her involvement and their content, despite the fact that Mars created, developed, participated, and contributed to everything they made together, which was self-produced. So that means, like, scripts, directing, lighting, framing, editing, motion graphics, color correction, hair and makeup, wardrobe, styling, sound design, lyrics, composition, imaging, branding, photography, videos, recordings. Like, so much work was going into this. It's fucking insane for Titanic to be like, oh, it was all me. I did, I did every single thing. Uh, also, while they were still, uh, like, a band and were a couple, they would do interviews where they would be like, yeah, we write the music together. Or like, oh, it's 50-50. Or, like, Britney does the lyrics. Like, uh, so, like, it's, he just goes... fucking idiot. He just, he just goes back on it. So, in addition to creative contributions, throughout their personal and professional relationship, Mr. Mixter was essentially, in, essentially insolvent, relying on constant financial support from Mrs. Sheets and her family. What's extra disgusting about this is that is that the brief solo project Titanic had after their breakup has multiple lyrics degrading Mars for having money. It's called Trust Fund, and he just shits uh, on her for having money, but he was living off her money. We got a real Mike Cernovich situation going here. <laughs> he repeatedly, I see what you mean. <laughs> he repeatedly told her that she was getting old and that she needed him to be successful in her career. He created a sense that she was running out of time and that her only solution was to finance the project herself. Unsurprisingly, a review of Mars Argo songs from the time shows that many lyrics were related to the controlling nature of the relationship with Mr. Mixter. She also believes that Mr. Mixter deliberately sought to shatter her self-confidence, that she would not pursue any individual creative opportunities and would instead continue to support him both creatively and financially. Uh, Going further on that, anytime Mrs. Sheets would have an opportunity to collaborate on an outside project, Mr. Mixter would belittle the opportunity and speak poorly of the person or project so that she would in turn feel doubt or distrust. Mr. Mixer, Mr. Mixter would then, I can't fucking say Mr. Mixter, uh, Titanic, Titanic would then advise her on how to respond to the opportunity or even take it upon himself to draft a response for her to turn down the project. Ugh. This is like all classic abuse shit. Yeah. Uh, Titanic began frequently breaking into Brittany's gated apartment building and would wait for her in the courtyard of the building until she got home. In August 2014, Mars requested the Titanic not contact her going forward. However, through August and September, uh, he continued to contact her against her wishes, including sending a text message threatening his own suicide. Uh, Titanic also continued to break into Mrs. Sheets' gated apartment complex to wait for her in the courtyard. Uh, On one afternoon in September 2014, Brittany found Mr. Mixer sitting in her courtyard and he seemed jittery. He demanded that she delete all of the videos on their YouTube channel because he didn't want people to, like, see them anymore. Kind of seems like he didn't want proof for the whole poppy thing. Uh, his behavior and mannerisms frightened her as he seemed intoxicated or on drugs. Uh, later in November 2014, he broke into her apartment again, this time through her bedroom window in the middle of the night. He was obviously under the influence of something. She asked him to leave and go home. He uh, like eventually complied, but argue. She photographed the broken window. There are pictures in the lawsuit. It is like very clear what's going on. A few weeks later, he broke into Mrs. Sheets' apartment when she wasn't home and went on her computer and logged into her Facebook account and blocked friends and industry people. She only discovered this later when she tried to communicate with the blocked individuals. Shortly thereafter, Titanic once again broke into Mars's apartment while seemingly intoxicated and began smashing her wine glasses one by one. There are multiple pictures of him, uh, of him like literally in the middle of doing this. He said he was angry that she had joined some Facebook group and repeatedly asked her for the name of the group. Uh, in addition oh to breaking God. her home, he continually tracked her social media postings and would either contact her shortly after she posted or therefore post on his own social media and reference her posts, like the places or things she had discussed. She began to feel like Mr. Mixter was monitoring her every move. 
in April 2015. So now, like, well a year after they've broken up and she's not contacting him at all. He breaks into Brittany's courtyard and texted her a picture of himself sitting outside her door on her doormat after midnight. The message was threatening and said, and there are pictures of this, you probably blocked me, so fuck you, you bitch. I'm publicly tweeting about our relationship. You blocked me, so I showed up. So she, like, blocked him on, like, Twitter or something and he just showed up and then started tweeting about them. I think, can I, can I, can I request that we not hear anymore? Oh, okay. There are way more. Yeah, I think we get the picture. Okay, can I talk about the ones that at least relate to Poppy? Sure. Or like more pub- or like career-wise? Yeah. Uh so Britney started or Mars started working on like a new solo project called Guppy. Titanic found out about it. He then released a song before her also called Guppy and like tried to reference her because of that she didn't make the album. Uh, there's this photo of Poppy wearing, uh, one of Mars's jackets. Uh, you can, like, see them side by side in the lawsuit. At this point, like, she is literally wearing her clothes that he stole. Uh. Totally normal. There's, like, a bunch of texts. He, he sent her, like, way, a bunch of way more texts, like, threatening suicide. Uh, he sent her one, like, directly threatening her. Oh, this is one of the fucking creepiest things, and you can see it online. Uh, in September 2015, uh, Titanic posted a really creepy, distorted drawing of Mars's mother, Diane, to his Instagram saying, I drew my mom, Diane, tonight. I miss my mom. Titanic's mother is not named Diane. Mars's is. Uh, it's one of the creepiest things I've ever seen. At this yeah, point, I mean, Tom and I just got creeped out, and you're just telling us about it. At this point, uh, Mars believed that the only way to avoid Titanic uh, was to isolate herself from everyone, not let herself have in contact with him, essentially disappear. At this point, she just leaves Los Angeles, taking like a huge hit to her career and all of her momentum, just literally to like stop being harassed by this man. Despite her absence, he continued to demean her online. Uh, just like a quick summary, he like. Just, like, publicly at other people, she's never talked to him online. He's called her a complete nutcase, evil, said she gave up, said that he designed everything, said that he did everything for Marzago, said, how does it feel knowing I wrote every word you've ever heard her say? (laughs) Which seems, like, very excessive. Uh, He described her as, like, someone who quit because success was too much. He said he invented her. Uh, As a result of Titanic's actions, uh, Mars has since been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, for which she has received regular treatment. Uh, Mars explained uh, this past week when she kind of like came out of hiding that like many women in this position, she was afraid about coming forward. However, in the wake of Poppy's rising fame and the Me Too movement, she said that the only way to move on is to hold Titanic and therefore Poppy responsible in the court of law. A small part of the lawsuit is seeking damages from Poppy for being a knowing accomplice in copying Mars's likeness and content. However, the main crux of the suit is suing Titanic both for damages for stealing her artistic property and also seeking a domestic violence restraining order. Um, so she's also seeking a domestic violence restraining order against him so that he can no longer harass her and that she can, like, live in L.A. in peace. Quite simply speaking, she's trying to wash her hands of this. I will uh, wrap up the lawsuit aspect with just, like, one following quote, kind of summarizing. By combining that creative infringement with a sinister campaign of harassment, Titanic attempted to drive Mars out of the entertainment business, not only stealing her... Ent- intellectual property but appropriating her entire persona and like this is just like a very apt like literal example of like how men feel like they can own women and like their creative identities and the content they make together and like god there's just so many small examples like people on the internet are obsessed with this like music nerds have showed that like he, he like he just used drum tracks from like old Mars Argo videos and like poppy videos half of the lyrics are the same he'll like reference her 
It's so weird. Also, his old Reddit account exists, and it's filled with slurs. Oh, Christ. Uh, he, like, made a transphobic video after Caitlyn Jenner of came out. Anyways, I know that was a lot, and we didn't even get through all of it, but if it interested you at all, or if you are if you know about any of them and you, like, didn't know the story, I encourage you to look it up online, because tons of other people have shared this and have shown, like, the direct comparisons. The lawsuit is still going on. Maybe I'll do a media minor once the, like, court case actually happens. A uh, sixty-minute media minor. <laughs> I'm so longer than you guys are so mean. Anything. All fucking week, I was like, guys, my story's gonna be super long. My story's gonna be super long. My story's gonna be super long, and now I didn't even get to do the whole thing. If it makes you feel any better, I did not ask you to stop because it was getting too long. I asked you to stop because it was getting like personally very upsetting for me. It does get more upsetting. It's probably good I glazed over yeah. some of the bigger stuff. It gets bad. Well, this will be the chopped and screwed edition anyways. This, this will be maybe 20 minutes. Anyways, 25. sometimes one of the members of this podcast almost fully dissociates during the recording, and so we like to balance that out with a little segment that we like to call the self-care corner, which is about nice things. It's just about nice things. Does anybody want to start it off? Oh, let's do it so fast. Let's do it so fast. Puppy? This podcast Puppy? went on so Puppy? long. What about, what about her? Just that she still exists in she our lives. She still exists yeah, and she's wonderful. That's true. We got our fridge kind of fixed. You got your fridge. That's we got true. our fridge kind our of fixed. Our washing machine is working again. Our washing machine is working and again. And we're probably not going to live here for longer that's than we have true. to. That's true. I had a job interview today. I am going to have another one next week. Look at us. There we go. Growing and learning. In the modern world. Hey, our website is going to start looking different soon. Aren't it's you gonna. guys excited? And hey, the full back catalog of the Double X Files is up. You guys should really go check that out. Give uh, them a big major cast network hello. Courtney and Allison are fantastic. Um, if you are excited to maybe, if you if you maybe you want to get a feel for them, uh, they're going to be on the next episode of King Me next month for Children of the Corn. It's going to be really great. Both? Yeah, both. Dope. That'll be a fun show. I look forward to it. Yes. Uh, you can find all the other podcasts on the network at uh, majorcastnetwork.com. We got it. We got it. Oh, we snagged it. Uh, MediaMajorsPodcast at gmail.com. MediaMajorsCast on is, Twitter. Jen, sorry. Jane is going to Venmo oh, you 50 on. bucks. You've called me Luke. Not in a while. <laughs> Jane is going to Venmo someone 50 bucks for something. I forget why. No one's going to get it. I'm not going to have to do it. Oh, Jane, I just, I wholly disagree. Somebody one day, we're going to get that one fateful email I'd be happy. years from now. We'll be there for you. We'll be there for you. Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.